Hello, and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another hour of power. Or longer, we'll see, here on the Sensibly Speaking Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and who knows how many other forums and and, uh, platforms, as well as with video here on YouTube. Welcome to the show, folks. This week, uh, we are tackling the subject of dominionism. And if that sounds weighty and uh, strange, well, yeah. Uh, you know, dominion. What is what? What is this, right? This sounds like some deep, dark biblical word or something, and and maybe it is. Well, I found a quote that I want to sort of set the stage for this show with, and then I'm going to um, introduce my guest, and we're going to get to it. Uh, uh, this week we are uh, having back on the show again, uh, Dr. Clint Heacock, uh, or sorry, Haycock. <laughs> always butchering names here. Uh, and uh, he is a former evangelical pastor. He has been, like me, as a former Scientologist, has established a YouTube channel, is doing podcasts, is talking about some of the nonsense that goes on in these groups. I want to say right from the very beginning, and as I've said in earlier podcasts on this, um, at least I believe I've said it, that this is not Christian bashing. This is not an attempt to try to tell everybody that your beliefs are wrong and that and how horrible you are for having beliefs. That has nothing to do with the point of this podcast. What we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a movement within the Christian world. It is not all Christians. It is far from all Christians who believe in dominionism or who want its goals to be achieved. So I want to I want to be really super clear about that. That being said, Here is a quote about what dominionism is from someone who actually wrote about it. This is a quote from a man named George Grant from a book, The Changing of the Guard, Biblical Principles for Political Action. And this book, by the way, was written in 1987. The quote, Christians have an obligation, a mandate, a commission, a holy responsibility to reclaim the land for Jesus Christ, to have dominion in civil structures, just as in every other aspect of life and godliness. But it is dominion we are after, not just a voice. Christian politics has as its primary intent the conquest of the land, of men, families, institutions, bureaucracies, courts, and governments for the kingdom of Christ. End quote. Now, if I were to substitute Scientology, Islam, even Judaism, into this rather than Christianity, would you be more disturbed? There might be bias out there about Christianity. Folks out there might think, ah, Christians, they're all a bunch of good folks, charities, you know, kind institutions, turn the other cheek, all that. All true. All of those are part of the belief system and all of those activities happen. And yet there is this darker side. There is this movement within the Christian world to take power in, a, in the political arena and wield that power to enforce Christian principles on others. And that is where my hackles go up a little bit. And Clint, I think that might be where your hackles go up a little bit too. Absolutely, it does. In fact, back on your point, what you said at the top of the show, you said that it's not every Christian. And that's absolutely true. But the concerning thing is that dominion theology in its many iterations is incredibly pervasive and they're so good at obfuscating. That's a good word for it. Their true intentions. And so, for example, uh, just this last weekend, wasn't it in Sun Devil Stadium, Arizona, there was a huge rally called Awaken 2020 featuring none other than Kanye West, new, new celebrity Christian. Okay, fair enough. Kanye West, he wants to become, he's a Christian, whatever. But on the bill with Kanye West were several major dominionist leaders. And that, and so obviously you're going to have whatever, how 50, 60,000 people packed into a stadium to see Kanye West and the guy from Corn and whatever. But infiltrating in that milieu is this theology. 
you know? So that's just a, a very recent example of how pervasive this is in just mainstream evangelicalism. Perfect. And yeah. I think any watcher of my channel or viewer, you know, long-term viewer of my podcast is going to know, you know, that the, 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 the way you can convince people of things can sometimes be very subtle. Um, language is a tricky thing. I've gone over this many, many times, right? And so, you know, you, you, when we say something like, you know, there were these dominious leaders there, you go, well, you know, everybody has a right to speech. Well, of course they do. But there's also deception that plays into this. And there are also false yeah. facades. There's, you know, there's false veneers. There are saying one thing, but really intending something else. And that's what we're going to explore in this podcast. Um, That's because the I, cult-like nature of it. Yeah, exactly. because when when you what I've what I've found is you got to do your research. There's layers and layers of organizations behind organizations. So you go, okay, Awaken 2020. What's that? You find out that's from an organization called Awaken the Dawn, which in in itself is attached to an organization called the Fredericksburg Prayer Furnace out of Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is attached to IHOP Kansas City which is a new apostolic reformation dominionist church part of Bethel Red. So you see, you gotta, you, you gotta do your homework. You've got to do your research and find out who these people are and where they're coming from theologically. Uh, and you know, there was some pushback too, because on the bill there, there was a guy named Lou Engel uh, of the call, which is he's ran some anti LGBTQ homophobic rallies in California. They dropped him at the last minute. Because suddenly Kanye West, when he was associated with the rally, they said, hey, wait a minute, Kanye, what are you doing with these people that's, that are anti-LGBTQ? They dumped Lou Engel just a couple days before the rally. You know, so that's how slick it is. They're like, well, we don't need that negative association. <laughs> so, And yet that, is, that association still exists in the real it's world. still there. Yep, right. Yep, and absolutely. And I don't think it's going to be too much of a stretch of the imagination for people to understand how fundamentalist Christians kind of hate on the LGBT community Absolutely. Um, because they think it's ungodly and a sin and all the other things they think. So That's let's it. go ahead and start going down the line on this because there is a lot to know. And I wanted to kind of tackle this as its own subject. We've talked about, you know, cultic thinking in the evangelical world. And we've talked about political, you know, aspirations that some of this, these groups have and stuff. And I will refer people to earlier podcasts we've done about that so we don't mm. have to repeat that territory. But I want to talk specifically about this business of Christians taking over the society, right, and, and what dominionism actually is. Because for those of us who are in a minority class and in the United States, the majority of people are Christian. That, but by any religious survey I've ever seen, it always comes out that way to the tune of about 70-75% of America identify as Christians of some kind. So, uh, yeah, we are, you know, atheism or secularism or spiritual, not religious, or however you want to, you know, none, I have no category to put myself in. Yes, that group is an, an increasing demographic, but we're talking about 300 million people in the United States. There's, it's a slow, you know, progression or evolution of, of secular thought. And, uh, and so there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do on this. And when we talk about, uh, you know, why we would be disturbed by this, it's because it's fairly obvious that when you see a religious majority take over on the political front, historically speaking, we see disaster after disaster after disaster. Theocracies are not things we want to be, mm -hmm. have anything to do with. And we believe in separation of church and state here in the United States, except do we really? You know, this is kind of one of these points where we have to kind of make some decisions and look at some hard facts. So in this particular case, do we want Christians as Christians, with Christian theology front and center, okay, not Christians, mm. just people who believe stuff, people who want that theology to be in the school books, on the billboards, in the magazines, right? They want it disseminated to everyone. They want everyone to become a Christian. And if you're not, there's actually something wrong, and maybe we should enact some laws. Maybe we should enact some regulations. Maybe we should start pushing people in this direction and start punishing people for not being Christian. And this is the worry. This is the concern. And it's got plenty of historical precedents to 
to be concerned about. So what's your, what, what, where are you coming at this from, Clint? Yeah, the, exactly right. The, you need to be concerned when Christians are running civil society. As you said, there are so many examples from the past you could point to. Well, I, I point to the Old Testament. That's where I start. It's not a Christian thing, because obviously that, that was before Christianity, but, but it's, a, it's the first real theocracy that we could say that was set up by God in the Old Testament, according to the, the way the text reads anyway, God and Israel. But it wasn't a utopian society. In fact, it was draconian. There was incredibly um, restrictive laws, and they had to sacrifice animals, and it was anti-homophobic, and it was misogynistic. And so you think, okay, well, that's a that's a good example right off the bat of of a theocracy. It's not exactly a utopian society. Spanish Inquisition, um, Savonarola, the Bonfire of the Vanities in in Florence, Italy. You can point to Calvin, uh, Geneva under Calvin. You can point to Cromwell's England after the English Civil War. You can point to one of my favorite examples is Zion, Illinois. That's one of my favorite stories. Most people have never heard that story. Uh, enlighten yeah. me, please. I've <laughs> never heard. What is that? This is the most modern example of a, 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 a city that was set up as a specific theocracy in Illinois. In the what? early night. Yeah. Yeah. Look this up. If you look up Zion, Illinois, there's a guy named John Dewey or Dowie, D-O-W-I-E. He was a Scottish immigrant who came to America. He was born in the 1800s. And he set up Zion, Illinois, specifically as a modern theocracy. And exactly what happened is all the other kind of uh, patterns repeat, repeated themselves, and it became illegal for, for you couldn't drink, you couldn't swear, you couldn't smoke, you couldn't gamble. And you, they had religious police, essentially, policing the streets of Zion, Illinois. I kid you not. Look this up. Damn, Zion, dude. Illinois. Wow, yep. man. Wow. And so that's what happens when you have theocracies. It turns into, it's really like a handmaid's tale. It actually is frighteningly familiar that these patterns repeat. And so do we want Christians in charge of civil society? Historically, absolutely not. No way. Right. And, and again, let's be super clear here from a theocratic point of view, right? We're not talking exactly. about just, I, I don't care if I'm going to go down and get a marriage certificate or get a driver's license or whatever civil function I'm going to go do. I don't care if it's a Christian who's dealing with me. What, I, what We're not talking about that. That's That has no part of what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is mm. when you put people in charge who are at an extremism end of Christian belief and who believe with all their heart that the best thing for you is their Christian beliefs, and they're going to push that down on you through laws, regulations, and through civil enact, in civilly enacted laws, not just at church on Sunday. In places like Calvin's Geneva and Cromwell's England, it was illegal to miss church on a Sunday. For example, Cromwell's England, you couldn't go for a walk on Sunday in, unless you were walking to church. If you were found walking somewhere else, you could get arrested. You could put get put in the stocks. In Puritan America, you could get fined for missing church. You know, so that's not the society that we want to live in, where you are forced to go to church and you'll go to jail or you'll get fined for missing church on a Sunday, and it's mandatory. Is that exactly. the society we want? That because that's what happens when Christians get to run the show. It really does, and. It's, we're not making this stuff up. This is from the pages of history. And it's not just one extreme. That's the thing. A place like Zion, Illinois, that's not an aberration. That is a pattern that repeats and repeats and repeats every single time Christians run civil society. Because they think, now we're in charge. We're going to enforce our brand of Christianity on everyone. And, of course, some of the more extreme examples of the Spanish Inquisition, where you could you were tortured and you know burned at the stake for being a alleged heretic you know so that's how extreme it can be and they murdered thousands and tens of thousands of people for centuries you know that's, i don't want to live in a true. theocracy i really exactly don't. <laughs> exactly and nobody that's, else really does either exactly that's the point so let's yeah. take a look at this because there's actually a couple different flavors or or there's a hard and a soft dominionism could you explain what that's all about 
I think it's good to sort of get that overview because mm-hmm. the the tenets of this idea that America was a Christian nation. Anytime you start hearing that 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 talking point, you start. That's when you're picking up on the sort of early kind of you know uh, I don't know. It's not a movement, but it's it's the the early streams of Dominion theology. In fact, I found a, a recording of a Billy Graham sermon from 1952. You can look this up on the Billy Graham um, evangelistic website. That he's got his own website where he, they have archived videos of him preaching famous sermons. And he gave a sermon in 1952, and he goes down this whole line. You know, America was a Christian nation. Our founding fathers were staunch Christians. We have lost our way. We've erred and strayed into sin. We need to repent as a nation and get back to the Bible, get back to being a godly nation and and billy graham was talking about this in 1952 and he was instrumental in setting up the first the national day of prayer which is still in effect in america billy graham influenced president eisenhower at the time to establish the national day of prayer so christians being in politics in america is nothing new in fact it goes back as we know from that documentary the family abraham veridi was involved back in the 1940s before world war ii in specifically Washington, D.C., and and then, of course, international politics with the family. So the idea of Christians needing to be in charge goes back at least to the 1940s. But historically, as we've said, you can point to examples from medieval times and all through history. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so what about this uh, hard and soft stuff? Okay, so that's been helpful for me to break it down. I've heard it described this way, and it's a, a helpful thing to think of it like as a spectrum. So mm. on the, one, the more extreme side, you have what I call hard dominion theology, and the other side is soft. And the thing is, by saying hard and soft, it's not that it's um, that the soft side is more cuddly and rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> it's not soft, and we that's the one we want. You know, we don't want the soft or the hard. <laughs> right, exactly. Which is really the other end of the spectrum. Which is like no dominion. We 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 want no dominionism. Yeah, we we, we want to be off the spectrum completely. Exactly. But it's just that the hard side is more extreme in the sense that that's where what's called Christian Reconstructionism, with it's associated with a guy named R. J. Rush Dooney, who wrote a book in it came out in 1973 called Institutes of Biblical Law. And Rush Dooney's brand of Dominion theology is, is pretty extreme, where he advocated that all of America should be under the biblical Old Testament law. So that's where you see a lot of this stuff about this is where this comes from, like these battles over the Ten Commandments in courts in America, the idea that, that America should be founded on biblical law. You'll hear think Matthew Whitaker said this a few years ago. Attorney General Barr said it in 1992 that America should be under God's law. So these are the, and he's, he's Trump's attorney general right now. Even though, even though he's a Catholic, he still subscribes to a lot of this, these dominionist talking points. So that's kind of the extreme side. And Rush Dooney was one of the, one of the ones who was advocating for Christian homeschooling. He was kind of the instigator of that movement. So what we see today with Christian homeschooling in America, that, a lot of that owes its start to a guy like Rush Dooney and the, the movement that he founded, which is the Christian Reconstructionism. But then on the soft side, you have what's more, what I call, well, it's called the Seven Mountains Dominion Theology. And the difference with that is, is that they're willing to work within existing governmental structures. They want to infiltrate and not just government, it's media, it's arts and entertainment, uh, religion, of course. They want to take over the world in, ter- in terms of Christianity. So they want to displace Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, all the other religions have to go, uh, you know, education. So these are the various mountains or spheres of influence that they believe Christians need to be ruling over in every area of society. So that's kind of the difference. Now, what I've found is that both streams agree on the idea that Christ- that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, as you read the first couple chapters of the book of Genesis, they were given dominion by God. That's where the term dominion theology comes from. You know, God mm. told Adam and Eve, if you read Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says, God tells them, uh, rule over the earth, subdue it and have dominion. And they say, see, Adam and Eve were given dominion. 
when they ate of the forbidden fruit, that apple of the tree or whatever, tricked by yeah, Satan. Right. They knowledge lost, of good and evil. Yeah. Yeah. The tree of the knowledge. What happened was in their theology, they lost the dominion that they were given. Now, the difference between hard and soft is for hard, a hard uh, de um, dominion theology, the means to regain the dominion is the application of biblical law. That's a critical point. So Rush Dooney said, we need to regain the dominion that was lost. And the means by which God wants to do that is through the law. He gave it to the nation of Israel, but they failed to establish dominion. So now it's in the hands of the church. So that's where that stream goes. With Seven Mountains Dominion Theology, they say, no, Satan became the god of this world. And he now rules over the seven mountains of societal influence. What they need to do is they say we have to displace those demons that sit atop those various mountains and take dominion over education, arts, media, government, every sphere of society. So that, that's what I see as the major difference between those two streams. It's the means by which you get there. But they both agree Christians should be running the show. The, the strategies are different, but the end game is essentially the same. Okay, got it. And to be clear, because maybe we should have led with this, is that it's not like you're going to go to the church of dominionism. No. That's not how this is organized. How? How? Because this spans many different dogmas and belief systems and and uh, denominations. How does yeah. it play out? How many people are we roughly talking about? You know, what are we looking at in terms of a movement within the Christian world here? It's massive. It's absolutely huge because you find a lot of these Dominion preachers run mega churches. So, for example, Bethel Redding in Cal Bethel in Redding, California, IHOP Kansas City, H Rock Church in Los Angeles, Maldonado's Church, the one that they just had a Trump rally at in January in Miami. That's another big Latino Hispanic mega church. And what you have to do is you have to, again, trace it back. So there's a guy named C. Peter Wagner. He died a couple years ago, 2016. He was the guy, sort of the godfather of what's called the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. He put a name, he put the name to that. And he was also a prolific author. He wrote over 70 books. And wow. he was a professor. Yeah, he was a professor at Fuller Seminary in California. And he wrote a lot of books about dominion theology and specifically the Seven Mountains dominion theology, spiritual warfare and all that stuff, how we retake dominion by, you know, getting atop these mountains. So Wagner influenced a huge, gener a whole generation of pastors, and they all trace their spiritual heritage back to Wagner. And, and another, another huge name is Francis Schaeffer. And he's another one that wrote books, A Christian Manifesto. And so, you know, you have people like Michelle Bachman, for example, she went to law school at Oral Roberts University back in the 1970s. Now there, she was influenced by the teachings of Rush Dooney through the Oral Roberts Law School. So professors had read his works and that's where they, so she goes into politics and she's carrying, you know, this stuff with her. And you can point to the Awaken 2020, tens of thousands of people are coming to this sorts of rallies just to hear Kanye West and they're hearing the message and it's very, very implicitly, it's, it's hidden. It's, it's like I said, there's a lot of obfuscation because it was presented as just like a, a revival, like an evangelistic rally. But the speakers there are absolutely Dominion theologians, most of them. Cindy Jacobs is one of the big ones. You can look up her website, uh, generals.org, and it's all about Seven Mountains Dominion Theology. And she goes all over the world and speaks and preaches at mega churches, mega rallies, so it's becoming a massive movement. Wow. And this is already, um, this is not just people meeting in churches or in back rooms or in basements or at rallies or even at mega churches. There's also, this has already permeated our political sphere. This is already, in mm. fact, in some ways, very deeply all the way to the highest levels. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, go ahead and, you know, tell us about that. Well, that's the thing about it is you got to do your homework. So if you all remember that there was a few, a few well, was a month ago or so, Christianity Today came out with an article that caused a firestorm. 
you've probably mm -hmm. heard about this, where Mark Galley wrote an article, I think it was on the 22nd, end of December. And, it, and, which, said, and which magazine was he writing for? Or who was he writing for? This is for? Christianity Today. So it's okay. kind, of a kind of a mainstream evangelical magazine, Christian magazine. And he wrote an article basically saying, we believe as evangelicals that Donald Trump should be not only impeached, but removed from office. And we cannot support him as evangelicals. And that was one of the first main sort of evangelical big names, big figures to speak out against Donald Trump as an evangelical. Now, yeah, that's a pretty big deal because you and I did a huge. whole podcast talking about evangelicals and how they were all yeah. in for Trump and yeah. go all in on this stuff. And actually, now we're seeing a little bit of a splinter. And this is, I was fascinated to see that. And it was a nuclear mm -hmm. bomb in that yeah. world. Oh, absolutely. You know, what's, what, what have you seen from the fallout of that? But not just the evangelical world, because it, it, it got a lot of traction, of course, in the mainstream media, didn't it? Because mm -hmm. Washington Post, New York Times are like, whoa, this is a big story. A main major evangelical magazine with tens of thousands of subscribers is, is running a major piece, you know, going against Donald Trump from an evangelical point of view. A couple of things happened, but one of the interesting things was on the 29th of December, they they a bunch of about over 200 evangelical leaders published an open letter response to that article in christianity today and what happened was they said you know we don't we don't you don't speak for us basically we're trump supporters and and they, they listed their reasons why they supported trump but what i found interesting was and i wrote an article it's on medium if people want to get into a little bit more of this but I started going down that list of names, the signatories of that open letter. And immediately what jumped out at me was that many of them were well-known dominionists that I'd been studying their writings. And I'm like, dang, dang, I'm getting hits as I go down the list. I'm like, I know who that is. I know who that is. I know who that is. Dominionist, dominionist, dominionist. Why are they signing this letter along with people like Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council, people like that that are sort of mainstream fundamentalist Christian. Normally they wouldn't have anything to do with that sort of, they're more of a charismatic crowd and the fundamentalists and charismatics have never really gotten along, but here they are putting their names to this letter. <laughs> and so that sent me down another rabbit trail because I'm thinking, okay, these people, a lot of them are on Donald Trump's evangelical advisory board and they're having Yeah. Now what's up with Trump. that? What do you mean, Donald Trump's evangelical advisory exactly. board? What the what the hell is a <laughs> you can does say he have? It, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let me ask this. Let me ask this before we go too far off here. Does he have an Islamic advisory council, a Judaic no. advisory council, a Scientology advisory council, a Rosicrucian advisory council? I mean, any just just a Christian. Evangelical advisory yep, council. Yeah, exactly. Just that should scare the shit out of every single person who just heard that. And if it doesn't, absolutely. I don't know that you've been paying attention. <laughs> you need to wake up because, yeah, the, what's going on is Donald Trump has an evangelical advisory board. And on that board are, again, a lot of those signatories of that open letter response who are well known publicly. You know, they, they are dominionists flat out. So these are the people right now that are meeting with Donald Trump. And here's the scary part. There's an article on Americans United that, that blew the whistle on this. And they're saying, okay, there's two problems with this evangelical advisory board, besides the, what you just raised, the fact that the, it, it, there is such a thing. But the, the one thing is we don't know when they meet, which is technically illegal. They're, you can't meet with the president and not put, put a, an itinerary out and say, we're going to be meeting with this guy on this date. So we don't know when they meet. When they do meet, they don't keep minutes of their meetings. So we don't know what they're talking about, which is also illegal. The president's supposed to keep meetings of every minute, uh, minutes of every meeting that he does. And that we don't know what they are talking about. What and how, is, let, me, let me ask you real fast, because this is occurring to me as a question, I'm sure it's occurring to others. How do we know they're meeting at all then? What only re the only reason we know is that when, when the meetings adjourn, the evangelicals who are in the meeting go out and talk about it. Uh, okay. All right. So, so we have reports of these guys yeah. Oh, yeah. saying, we just talked to Trump. He's our man. We put, you know, we're going over our agenda, da, da, da. 
But then there's nothing public for us to look at. In terms nothing of public. public. You can't find anything on the White House website, the government websites. There should be a published minutes of the meetings that he's at. Nothing. Yeah. Only It's only when these people go out and talk and they preach in their churches and they'll say, oh, man, this was amazing. God's doing a wonderful thing. We were at the White House last night. We had a worship and prayer service. There was a video that went viral about a month ago where there was a, a live Someone was walking around with their phone filming a prayer and worship meeting in the Trump White House, and Mike Pence was there, and he wandered in. You know, I mean, and they're like, this is amazing. That's the only reason we know that there's stuff like this is going on right now in the White House, literally worship and prayer meetings with Mike Pence in the White House. Wow. And that's the only reason we know. So they go and preach about it because, of course, they, they want to brag about how they've got President Trump's ear and they're advising him on key policy decisions. And as you said before, we're seeing anti-LGBTQ and it's all in the guise of pro-family. That's, it's a code word. When they say pro-family, what they really mean is anti-LGBTQ. Because right. obviously for them, family is one man, one woman. And so same-sex marriage does not fit into that. Transgender doesn't fit. So part of the for example, Trump's ban on transgender troops in the military, that was shortly after a meeting of the Evangelical Advisory Board at which they had been pushing for him to enact this ban, which he then turned around and did. So there's a, a concrete example of a connection between this board pushing their agenda and then Trump actually carrying it out in real time. He tweeted out a few days later, Yep, there's no more trans troops allowed in the, in the in the military in America, and people are like, "What the hell?" The Pentagon didn't even know; they were caught totally off guard. Everyone's scrambling. There's loads of trans troops already in the military, and they're going, "What about what about us? What, what does that mean?" Nobody knew what to do, but it was because of the pressure of this evangelical advisory board. And let's be clear about something. You know, the reason why you don't see a Scientology advisory board or a Rosicrucianism advisory board or whatever. I'm just, you know, pulling these names out or whatever. Uh, what are they going to offer to Trump, right? Trump's a deal maker at heart, right? That's, that's really what, what the guy is. And, at, and, and he's into deals and he's not really, I mean, you know, we can say a lot of things about the guy and his literacy level and the way he talks and all that. But at the end of the day, he's president of the United States <laughs> So, and he gets there by votes. So clearly, you know, if you're looking for some kind of empirical, observable phenomena to back up that there's power, true power in this group, I don't think you have to look any further than that. That's it. They have delivered a huge block of votes for Donald Trump, and they're going to deliver the same block. And they're looking, of course, to, to widen the base in 2020 and that's exactly. the deal with the devil that they made not just with trump but you go back to reagan that was when it really people have really identified the first sort of the jerry falwell moral majority type of movement uh, coming out of the late 70s and then 1980 was when they came to reagan and said listen we can deliver millions of evangelical and catholic votes if you'll play ball with us and deliver some of our agenda when you get elected president. So Reagan was the first one that climbed in bed with the evangelicals and they obviously climbed in right in with him. And ever since then, evangelicalism has been, has become increasingly politicized. I've been reading Sarah Diamond's book roads to dominion. And that's what she talks about as well as Conway and Siegelman's holy terror. They were the first ones in, in the early 1980s to put their finger on what was happening. And this is, we're seeing the fruition of what Conway and Siegelman were putting their finger on in 1980-82, and it's all coming into play now. Yeah, it's, this is this is a long-term strategy. Yeah. These are not people who are thinking in terms of one president, one administration, one political mm -hmm. party. Even they've aligned with Republicans because that's where you know there's a there's a that's where the majority of like-minded people on the mm -hmm. on the political spectrum are at. Um, so that's how it's worked out, you know, but it's not a matter of it's only Republicans. I mean, you, you know, you're going to find these things are across, across the, the spectrums.
We have now launched full speed into 2020, and one of my biggest goals is to learn a lot. I think that's a goal we should all have, and I have the perfect way for you to accomplish this, the Great Courses Plus. Whether that means discovering new interests or expanding your knowledge on specific topics, the Great Courses Plus has you covered. This online learning service offers thousands of lectures, covering everything from history to science, philosophy to personal development. The list is huge, and there really is something for everyone. And the courses they offer are taught by the best professors and experts from top universities and institutions around the world. This is reliable information we can all trust. I think any viewer of my channel is familiar with how much pseudoscience and nonsense there is out there. But when it comes to a subject as important as your health, how do you know who and what to trust? Well, to help you with that, I'm promoting a specific course being offered now on The Great Courses Plus. It's called The Skeptic's Guide to Health, Medicine, and Media, a course you can start right now. We all need help navigating the world of health and wellness, especially with goop out there. And this course will give you a skeptic's perspective on the whole thing. Learn about alternative medicine, how to evaluate new drugs, and how the media and internet affect our beliefs. Dig deeper than those clickbait articles and get the real facts about today's health issues. I've got big learning goals this year, and I hope you do too. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today. And the offer I have for you is brand new. Three months of unlimited access to The Great Courses Library for only $30. Are you kidding me right now? Unlimited knowledge at your fingertips for only $10 a month. What a deal. But you have to sign up using my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Remember, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Sign up today. It's interesting mm. to me that... Uh, you gave me this quote from Attorney General Barr from his writings. Oh yes. And this was I wanted to ask about this because it's, you know, from a from a secular point of view, it's a little scary. From a Christian point of view, I'm sure this is very reassuring. I'm sure this is wonderful to hear. But I'm telling you, from my point of view, as somebody who doesn't share that belief system and who has talked about the fact that. You know, from a scientific point of view, our morality, our opinions, our ideas, I mean, they come from all kinds of places. Mm. Um, but Attorney General Barr doesn't agree. He said, traditional, quote, traditional Judeo-Christian doctrine maintains that there is a transcendent moral order with objective standards of right and wrong that exists independent of man's will. This transcendent order flows from God's eternal law, the divine will by which the whole of creation is ordered. Now, this is now the man who holds the keys to, you know, the legal kingdom of the United States. He is the top law enforcement mm. officer of our country, and he believes uh, personally and has written that our traditional Judeo-Christian doctrine is what should be managing or overseeing or guiding our legal system and our morality and that there's some kind of objective standard for this. Well, if you don't want to look any further than a bunch of old, you know, dusty manuscripts and a, and a book that was put together from them and has been translated and mistranslated over thousands of years and call that an objective standard, you and I are going to definitely have some disagreements, you know. Absolutely. And yet this is the guy at the top. And Trump loves this man. And he does everything he can to keep Trump in power. And it's hmm. not about, I would be clear, this ain't just about Trump. Trump just happens to be the guy who's the latest guy to make the deal with them. This could just as easily apply to Pence or to Barr hmm. or to who comes in next. You know, this Trump's not going to be president forever. It may be another four years, but then who's who's next? And what are they exactly. going to bring to this? And how many of these connections are they going to be making? Like, this is something that this is a long-term strategy on their part. So we, too, need to look at it on a long-term basis, you know? So what, I don't know, man, this this uh, this objective moral standard stuff, I mean, this, this is the kind of thinking that really terrifies me when we're talking about it lawmakers. Should. 
And yet Barr gave that speech in 1992. That quote that you just read was actually from a speech when he was the attorney general under Bush. So he, oh, he, he's been up so, there a couple of times. I exactly. didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah, he's been around a long time. He was a, a, a lawyer for the CIA. So he, he advised George H.W. Bush when he was the CIA director. I mean, he's been around in top levels of government as a lawyer for a long, long time. And has the, had the ear of many presidents. Uh, and he just gave a speech, I think it was last year at Notre Dame, Notre Dame. <laughs> University, <Yeah. laughs> right. he said essentially the same thing so his views haven't changed he subscribes to that belief that america was some sort of a christian nation with the encroachment of secularism that has slipped and we've lost our way and what we need is a return to this godly law sort of idea so that's straight out of rush dooney that's straight out of christian reconstructionism that sounds like something Rush Dooney would, would have said. In fact, probably did say his book's over a thousand pages. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I'm slowly chewing my way through it. <laughs> right. And we have yet another disturbing connection here as well. And for the, the single most popular video, the most watched video I've ever produced is not a Scientology related video. It was an interview I did with a woman who was a, a survivor of a homeschooling Christian cult mm -hmm. under the guy, uh, leadership of a man named Bill Gothard. And mm -hmm. this was called the IBLP, right? The Institute of Basic Life Principles. And he, and this was, he put together in the 1960s and 70s, an entire extensive set of books and and uh, mm. manuals on homeschooling children and this was kind of a this was kind of presented at the time when we were doing my work with christiana we did two videos on this christiana later worked with me and we did this whole breakdown of gothard's uh, dogma and misinterpretations of the bible and how culty it was and how they were using this as a um as a means of educating you know children and children, of course, are not going to have any critical thinking skills. There's not going to be any pushback. There's not going to be any like, you know, uh, wait a minute, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? This is homeschooling. This is what par this parents teaching their children directly. So um, this is part of this dominionism thing I'm finding out now, right? That mm -hmm. there are connections with this. And of course, it makes sense. We know from many documentaries, many... Um, uh, exposés that have been done on Christian Bible camps, you know, that we know that they have this worked out to a, to the same degree of exactitude that Scientology has worked out its means of indoctrination, right? This is very mm -hmm. crafted. It's not an accidental sort of, you know, do what you want sort of thing. These, these like the Gothard method or these Christian Bible camps and stuff, talk about how you know, I, what is it? Eight, nine years old is the golden year. That's the one where you where you get them, mm. you know, because it's kind yeah. of this in between time where they know enough language and have enough little life experience at eight or nine years old to start getting the sense of something outside of themselves. And then, boom, you hit them right then. You got to hit them hard. Right. With God's watching mm -hmm. you and you better toe the line and the Bible is law and objective moral standards are in this book. And this is how you're going to live your life. You know, and most of these kids are just like, okay, <laughs> they don't, it's all what, true. what else are they going to say? You know, and and yeah. this is a this is an indoctrination pattern that's been going on for quite some time. But apparently, this connects in with this with the uh, Dominionism movement too. What's what's that about? That's the connection. And one thing I haven't been able to do yet is link Bill Gothard with a guy like R.J. Rush Dooney. Mm. But we do know, as you said. Um, Bill Gothard was instrumental in the ATI and that's, there are still ATI schools, even though he has officially been kicked out of the organization for multiple charges of sexual assault on women. They right. still use teenage girls, by the way, yeah, very young women that he was grooming for a lo very long time. And he got away with it for a long time, but he's been ousted and, now, but yep. they still use his materials. If you look at the IBLP website today, his name is all over the place. He, you can see his whole instructional series of videos by Bill Gothard. So they still use his material. But R.J. Rushdooney, see, as a Christian Reconstructionist, as I was saying before, it's about a grassroots movement. So his philosophy or theology was 
will raise these children, generations of godly children. Of course, he wouldn't say they were indoctrinated. They were raised with the truth. See, Chris, that's where you got it wrong. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not indoctrination. It's the truth <laughs> of the Bible. But they will permeate society as they graduate and go out into the world. And eventually, we'll just Christianize all of America and the world with this, you know, waves and waves of generations of homeschooled kids that are just amazingly wonderful Christians as they get out there in the world. So Gothard was instrumental in homeschooling generations and generations of kids. There's another one too, Bob Jones University, uh, BJU Press. If you look them up, they are huge in supplying curriculum for homeschooling families. I was listening, I've been listening a lot to this podcast called Stand in the Gap Radio, and it's by this guy named Sam Rohr, and he's a major dominionist, sort of revisionist historian. He was an ex-politician himself, and they have advertisements. They say, they talk about BJU Press curriculum, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I looked it up, Bob Jones University, a totally fundamentalist Bible college that are supplying who knows how many tens of thousands of homeschooled kids all over America with their, with their material from a fundamentalist Bible college. Damn, man. Yep. BJU press, you know, and it's, it, it would be a different thing for me if kids were getting a well-rounded survey of religions Hmm. without pushing any one of them. Right. If you wanted to go over Christianity, all the flavors of it, Islam, all the flavors of it, Hindu, all the flavors of it. Yeah. Right. Not a, on not a and on. I mean, you could easily spend a year or two teaching children about this, mm. going through all of the various pantheons, all the various mythologies, all of the things you want to do. And maybe maybe young adults would really be where this is more appropriate. But, you know, if you wanted to do that. I got nothing to say at all. In fact, I would uh, I would appreciate well-rounded education. Though. Well-rounded education yeah, in this matter, right? We're not talking about that. We're not talking about teaching what Christianity is, take it or leave it, what do you think? We're talking about a level of education of this is the truth, there is no other truth, and if you don't believe this, I will punish you until you believe it. Mm-hmm. That well, is that is raised. the approach. I was raised, we've talked about this before. I was raised in the Bill Gothard cult. I didn't go to the Christian homeschooling route with Bill Gothard's material, but I was raised, my parents, Gothard seminar in Seattle for over 10, 12, 15 years. They were involved in the leadership. They raised us as part of his teachings and his philosophy. And it did an incredible amount of psychological, sexual, all kinds of other damage not just to my family, but people that I've talked to on Twitter, Facebook. So yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a real thing. It's incredibly damaging when you go back and see the the effects of it on a, a whole, well, more than one generation. There's kids out there right now today who are being homeschooled with ATI curriculum or Bob Jones University curriculum. <laughs> exactly. And it's messing them up. <laughs> and it is. And I'll link to the video that Christiana and I did in the in the show notes on this. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are curious about, you know, what are we talking about? Why are we so down on Christian homeschooling? Well, just go check out that video and you'll get why. Because yeah. I broke down actually point by point from Bill Gothard's mm-hmm. own materials why his material is psychologically and uh physically, you know, and potentially even um sexually yeah. damaging. Well, look- it, look at the, the documentary Jesus Camp. There's yeah. another example. If yeah. people want to find out what it does to children, watch Jesus Camp. There you go. And we don't want to spoil it, but I mean, the, you just look at the, the stress and the trauma that those kids in that camp are going through with the pressure that the adults are putting on them from this religious point of view. And you think, my God, those poor children are being torn up literally psychologically emotionally and it's all in the name of religion you know and little exactly. kids they're that's doing why I, that's yeah that's why i call it child abuse i really you know and it it's, is and it's a form it, of abuse yeah it's and it's a very very difficult problem because you want parents to have yeah. the right to i mean of course parents have the right to teach their children and to raise them in the world and give them a place in the world and show them what that is and show them how the world works 
And if parents have religious beliefs, then they're going to pass those on to the kids. And and how do you interrupt that, right? But at the same time, you go, yeah, okay. When it's just talk, when you were just talking about, you know, some beliefs or some ideas, okay. But when you get into the Jesus camp stuff or the IBLP stuff, you're going to see that it goes way beyond that. We're not just talking about reading some lessons, filling out some essays. That's that's mm-hmm. not the level we're talking about here, okay? No. And it, again, it, people get all tweaked about this and think they're hearing something that they're not, which is why I continually am clarifying our position on this because I want to I want to communicate clearly and I want people to get the message and I don't want them to get something that we're not saying. Going on, you know, you talk about Scientology's theology, let's put it that way, Xenu and yep, all that, yep. are, you know, Phaetons <laughs> yep. and everything else. It's a, they call it the sci-fi cult and all the rest of it. Yep. And in a way you could sit back and go, my God, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a crazy system. Who could believe that? But yet, if you look at Dominion theology, specifically Seven Mountains Dominion theology, it's no more bizarre than Xenu and everything else. Because I, I've just got a podcast coming out as we're doing this recording tonight, Friday, the 24th, where I break down the theology behind the Seven Mountains mandate. And it gets weirder and weirder and weirder and more bizarre. And I finally concluded that it's like a video game. It's it's literally you could make this up as a like a quest video game, you know. Right. Let's con- conquer the seven mountains and battle the demons at the gates, and it's a fucking video game. It's <laughs> wow. insane. I mean, and wow. yet tens of thousands, millions of people are buying this theology. It is bizarre, and it's Christianity somehow, but yeah, it's, somehow. But it's, it's it's a science fiction. It's a video game. It's it's unbelievable i mean if if people yeah you listen to that episode you will you won't believe it you you're come on you're making this shit up (laughs) but i've got the quotes i've got the proof i've been reading their books i've been listening to their podcasts it's it's doing my head in but i'm doing my research you know and it's it's hard work to get through it wow man well let me let me ask you about this because you also mentioned um when we were uh, talking before about um something called i wanted to ask you about this because i don't quite get it covenant theology hmm. what, what what are we talking about with this because you, you mentioned that this is behind a lot of dominionism and it's and it's kind of important to explaining the connection and you know with the government and stuff what's mm-hmm. what, what is that what, i've never heard of that before what i mentioned with billy graham that you can see the strains of covenant theology coming through that that talking point this revisionist history that america was a christian nation that we've sinned, we've lost our way, we need to return to the Bible, we need to repent and all that. Oh, that's all covenant theology. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. You'll, and you'll hear these dominionists talking about this. In fact, I listened to an episode of Stand in the Gap Radio, and they had a guy named David Barton of an organization called Wall Builders, and he's a revisionist historian. And that, that's his whole shtick. He goes all over the country talking to people about, you know, giving seminars and lectures about this america's christian history and all this well what they the puritans believed it see they picked it up from the puritans when they came over here from mainly from england they looked at america as sort of israel a modern day promised land they saw themselves as the new israel we're replacing israel in that covenant theology so god has a covenant with the nation of israel in the old testament in the same way he's got a covenant with america as we settle the promised land, which is America. And so we got to chase the indigenous peoples out just like the Israelites did. So the native Americans had to go. That's all part of manifest destiny. But the uh, people like David Barton, they'll say, this is where the, t- the connection comes in. We've, we've lost that covenant. You know, we've sinned, so we've allowed abortion, homosexuality, pornography, all these evils in society. And every time there's like a natural disaster, they say, that's not a natural disaster. Wildfires in California, floods, hurricanes. No, no. That is the hand of God judging America for our sins. And when we, God's trying to get our attention. And when we finally realize what's going on and repents and turn, and that's why they want to ban abortion, same-sex marriage, all those sort of things, so that we'll be get, getting ourselves back into a covenant blessing status with God. That's critical. And the other part of it is, of course, the support for the nation of Israel. That's a part of the covenant theology. Every nation that supports Israel will be blessed. 
If you don't support Israel, you'll be cursed. So that is a critical piece of this theology as well. So that's why they're so big on, for example, Trump moving the um, embassy to Jerusalem because that validated Israel as the Jewish capital. You see, that's a critical. Ah. That's why it's so important for them. It finally proved, air quotes, proved that Israel was the Jewish or Jerusalem was the capital of the Jews, not of the Arabs, not of the Palestinians, of the Jews, as they rightfully should be in their view. And Got it. Therefore, God will bless America. And they said it. You, you, you look at the people who were there at that, the day they had the ceremony, um, uh, Pastor Hagee is a big, he's a, he's a preacher on, you can look him up. Uh, he, 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 all he talks about is Israel and end times prophecy. And he actually preached at the ceremony. So here's a guy, a mega church pastor from Houston preaching at Donald Trump's <laughs> moving the embassy. What the hell is this guy right. doing there? But Michelle Bachman was there. These key leaders, dominionists were all there. A lot, they weren't all there, but a lot of them were there because they saw it as a historic moment. It, and it was in their theology. Yeah, exactly. And we've also seen the introduction of a ton of legislation uh, against abortion, you know, against yeah. gay rights. Uh, this is all, you know, some of this is uh, moving up to the Supreme Court right now. And these people are going all in. I mean, they are really yeah. great guns on this because they know that with somebody like Trump and his Supreme Court appointees and all the federal judges he's putting down the line and, and the support from the Congress right now, because the Senate mm -hmm. is 1000% going to just, you know, sign anything Trump wants. So mm -hmm. this just, it, you know, this is the time kind of thing, right? Because it does yeah. come and go, you know, politics is when you look at the big picture, you know, I just watched Ken Burns uh, documentary on the Congress yesterday. A wonderful documentary, 90-minute documentary from 1988, mm. all about the Congress and the history of the Congress. And you see, you know, there have been many Mitch McConnells. There have been many, <laughs> you know, there have been, yeah. it comes and it goes, you know. And right now, these guys are on a roll on this because this is, you know, what we're seeing right now is the apex or, you know, or, or you know, the best they've ever been, the best position they've ever been in. Exactly. And they've been building this up since the 80s, like we talked about earlier. That's not a conspiracy theory. This is documented. Mm -hmm. this, this, we know this happened. Oh, yeah. Jerry you know, Falwell, man. There's no question the about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember these guys. Abraham you know? Baridi, the family. Yeah. It's all there. This isn't a fantasy. This is a movement. Yeah. This, is a, this is a religious movement that's a religious political movement that uh, has a whole lot of people and, and involved in it. And it has permeated the highest levels of our government. And... And we see it. We know who the names of the people are. This isn't, like I said, this isn't some weird, you know, 12 men are ruling the world kind of conspiracy. This is, mm, this is how politics, <laughs> yeah, this, that's not what this is. This is, <laughs> this is just a matter of, uh, this is how politics works. This is how influence peddling works. And these guys right now are, are at the, at the, the high end of the wave. And we're not sure. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. And we're not sure as that's we sit it. here. That's how they see it. Right. We're not sure as we sit here how long this could last mm -hmm. or how much damage can be done with this or how far this could go. And it's going to be awful hard to, quote unquote, you know, air quotes, whatever, take over the United States. And yet at the same time, how many people believe this is a Christian nation? I did a podcast with Andrew mm -hmm. Seidel, wrote a whole book about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and how it's not and never was. But there is this, yeah, you myth. know persistent myth and it's pushed by these guys because this is how they maintain get and maintain mm -hmm. power influence money all of it and it's really not so Absolutely. different at that level it's really not so different from what we see um cult leaders doing uh, i've been to work the other day thinking about all this stuff in preparation for doing my podcast on seven mountains dominion theology and i thought you know what it is the reason these guys are supporting Trump and they're so, so diehard and they'll do anything for him is because in their view, he is helping them to achieve dominion. That, that is it. That's the truth. That's the bottom line bedrock. There's, you can't go anywhere from there. In yeah. their view, he's helping them to achieve dominion. So if you're a Seven Mountains dominionist, 
right now you're on top of the government mountain. Your guy, your man is on the top. And he is. I read an article by C. Peter Wagner just before he died. And he said, I like Donald Trump. That was the name of the article. And he died before the vote. He couldn't vote. He, he may have died as he cast his vote. But he said, the reason I like Donald Trump is because he's, he's on top of at least three mountains himself. He was already on top of the business economic mountain because he was a billionaire. He was on top of the media mountain because he was a celebrity on The Apprentice. And now he's going to be on top of the government mountain. So Donald Trump is on top of three mountains right there. You know, and so why wouldn't we get on board with a guy like that? What couldn't we do with his ear if we gave him our support? See Peter Wagner, the guy who started the New Apostolic Reformation, major dominionist, said that in an article in 2016. You can look it up. It's on Charisma Magazine's website. You know, so that's that's exactly where they're coming from. Oh, there you go. And if you're wondering, mm -hmm. you know, what this uh what, what, you know, I, at this point, you shouldn't be wondering why that's so disturbing, but <laughs> I'll circle back around to the quote at the very beginning of the episode <laughs> where we defined exactly in their own words what they think dominionism is. And it is, mm -hmm. without question, a complete takeover. Hmm. And I yeah. don't want that. You don't want that. I, I think the majority of my audience doesn't want that. And I wanted to make everybody aware of the fact that this is a real thing. It's not a joke. It's not a fringe group. It's not just a little group of extremists mm. like the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville or something. Those guys are nothing compared to these people. And the power that these dominionists wield now all the way in, up to the top in Washington. And let's not, let's not pretend that there aren't mm. many levels below the presidency where these people mm. also hold major levels of influence. Uh, I'll refer you back to our podcast on the family and the documentary on the family. You know, mm -hmm. this is permeating all levels of our government. So it's yeah. um, it's just a little disturbing. And I wanted to raise some awareness about it. Well, and just to jump in on that point, as you close, the, the thing about the mountains, you, what you're describing is the levels on the mountain. So, yeah. again, it, you're, you're quoting their own theology <laughs> back to them. Chris. Wow. I listen, if you want to go back. Yeah. The, if you want to get your head, have your head explode, listen to Johnny Enlow. He's another seven mountains dominionist guy he's got a podcast called restore seven and he goes through each of the seven mountains and talks about why it's so important and one of the things i picked up from johnny enlow was he said listen wherever you find yourself on that mountain whatever mountain you're on government media arts entertainment whatever low middle or high you have a corresponding level of influence and you have to be thinking strategically no matter what level you're on so they're in indoctrinating their followers to be infiltrating and they can be content with being on a low level. So right now, the people that are advising Trump are on the top of the mountain, but the guy that's a chauffeur to some politician somewhere, he's exercising dominion. He's spreading his message on the bottom level. So they're, they're, they're looking, it doesn't matter where you are on the mountain, you're doing something and you're having dominion. You know, so that's that's the sort of indoctrination. That's the worldview. Hmm. Um, okay, guys, I think we've covered this pretty well, giving you a bit of an overview of this, gotten some quotes, some definitions, some ideas, some names. You guys can check this out. Like Clint says, do your homework. You know, uh, I'm always so loath to get into some of this stuff because it sounds like conspiracy theory and it sounds crazy and like we're connecting you know you, you and there are people apologists for these groups people who get uncomfortable about the fact that it's connected with christianity and they're christians and they want to defend christians they don't want christian bashing going on and and i honestly believe that this podcast has not been about christian bashing this has been about a you know a, a an abuse of power, you know, an abuse of an abuse of influence, and and pushing a church, a theological position into a political arena where it just doesn't belong. Not in the United States, you know. Maybe in Iran, they have a theocracy; they can get away with that kind of crap. I don't want to get away with that kind of crap in the United States, and I don't think we should be allowing that to happen. So, there you go, folks. Clint, thanks so much for coming on and and taking your time and and yeah. giving me your expertise. Thank you, Chris. And I'm looking forward to the fact that we're going to be doing a podcast for my show. 
mind shit podcast i got to put a shameless plug in there but absolutely next week so yes we'll, we'll talk about scientology and all sorts of other stuff i'm sure absolutely where where do people find you and your work you mentioned mind shift podcast yeah mind shift podcast um in fact speaking of andrew seidel we're doing an episode with him next week so i actually listened to yours and i thought i've got to talk to andrew so thank you for <laughs> giving me that information there but you can find me on twitter at mindshift 2018 that's probably the best way to get a hold of me and then from there if you want to find my show i'm on itunes podbean stitcher spot all we're all good podcasts should be i guess any any sort of major platform excellent excellent well again clint thank you very much for for guesting on my show here and talking about this uh, this topic. And, uh, and you guys, uh, if you liked this podcast, check out my earlier podcast with Clint. I think we did about four of them. And we've covered quite a bit of uh, other interesting uh, data about evangelicals and, and uh, stuff like this. So check that out. And if you like this show or even don't like this show, go ahead and leave any questions, comments, or feedback at sensiblyspeaking.com or in the comment section here on YouTube, and I will be sure to check them out. Clint will probably come along and maybe check them out as well when this posts. I think I'll be posting this tomorrow, so this is going to be a pretty fast turnaround on this podcast. And I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.